0: The reading is taken from John, chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Uh, Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in Jesus, you don't ask us to pretend. You ask us to be real. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you don't ask us to be somewhere else. We thank you that you just ask us to be open where we are. Thank you that you don't meet us in another place. But wherever we've got to on our journey, you meet us there. By your Spirit, Father, through your Son, meet with us this morning, wherever we are, wherever we've been, wherever we'll go to. Meet with us in this place as we are here and now. For your great name's sake. Amen. I don't know if you uh, caught that uh, BBC survey, I think it was, just before Christmas. Just before Christmas. Just before Easter. (sighs) Living in the past or what at my age. Just before Easter. um, The BBC headlined it this. The resurrection did not happen say 25% of all Christians. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. What do they mean by resurrection? What do they mean by Christian? What do they mean by 25%? (laughs) Tonight's Cafe Church is on the theme of the resurrection. Did it happen? (coughs) Uh, And so maybe unpacking all those responses, how people respond in that way, could be part of uh, uh, the little discussion that you want to have tonight. But whatever we make of that survey, and there's lots that we can make of it. It's quite clear that uh, Thomas this morning, if he'd been surveyed, uh, wouldn't be in the middle ground, a comfortable do not knows. You know what he said, uh, don't you? He happened to have missed out, not been there when Jesus first appeared to the disciples. And so uh, he uh, said, when they said to him, uh, we have seen the Lord, his response was absolutely adamant, wasn't it? Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand in his side. I will not believe it. A clear cut, adamant position. And then you know exactly what happens next. We've just had it uh, read to us. Uh, the Lord confronts Thomas exactly at his point of doubt. A week later, they're all together, the doors are locked again, because they're a frightened little group. They're frightened that if the Jews even crucified Jesus, what are they going to do to his followers? They're all huddled together behind locked doors. Uh, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he stands in front of Thomas, singles him out, and says to Thomas put your finger here see my hands Uh, reach out and put your hand into my side stop doubting and believe It's interesting, isn't it, that even in the risen Jesus, restored to new life from the grave, the scars remain. And maybe Thomas is as much persuaded by the scars as the presence, as the two come together. But the scars are not removed from the risen Jesus. And so just as in passing, sometimes we, we think that we have to be kind of perfect in order to do anything for God. Uh, but just note that the scars spoke for Jesus too. And sometimes being honest and real about the scars in our own life, not hiding them, can have a power in our sharing of our faith with others. We don't have to be perfect. The risen Jesus' body still bore the scars and spoke to Thomas. And yet, you know Thomas's response as, 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 as fulsome as was his denial. He says words that have never actually ever been heard on earth before. Words which had never been heard in the whole of human history to this point. To this Jesus, to someone he'd lived alongside, someone he'd walked with, someone he'd shared meals with, Someone he'd seen killed before his eyes. Someone just like himself. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. That's a breathtaking moment. Thomas is the first person in Human history to go the whole distance and call Jesus, someone like himself, my God, who I worship. It's staggering. And as we move on, j- j- just note what a, what a significant uh, moment this is for, for John, uh, the writer of this Gospel that we've been uh, reading the, the, this morning. Uh, I, I know I got confused at the start of, uh, of uh, the service. I'm easily confused nowadays. But actually, do you remember Christmas? Uh, th- those, those words which still raise the hairs on the back of my, uh, of my neck when they're read at Christmas time, In the beginning was the Word and the word was God. And the word that was God became flesh and made his dwelling upon us. That's how John begins his gospel. And then all the rest of the gospel, up to this point, is John saying, and this is what it means. This is what this word becoming flesh looks like. And he tells us sign after sign to show how this is in fact true, is in fact the case. Water into wine, feeding the 5,000, raising Lazarus. Uh, You you know uh, uh, the stories of John's Gospel. Sign after sign, to support his case that the Word became flesh. The Word was God and the Word became flesh. And here now, he says the crucifixion wasn't the end of that statement but was all part of it. A statement that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, dwelt so much among us that Jesus even entered into the fullest experience of death on the cross for us. And then resurrection and then Thomas, do you see Thomas? The Word was God, and Thomas, at the end of the story, says, "Jesus, my Lord and my God." And John says, "There you are, I told you. Uh, Thomas has got there. Thomas Thomas almost finishes my gospel for me indeed. Uh, John is almost ready to stop, verse 30 Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples not recorded in this book but these are written that you might believe, believe what? that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and John says, there you are I've I've almost finished my story Uh, but before you go, there's just one other thing I have to tell you about Peter and the disciples for the future and so the gospel uh, goes on Thomas is Jesus God. Yes, uh, yes he is, says Thomas. I now get there. I've got it. And you may well be saying, well, yes, John. Yes, John, of course, of course. Of course, of course. If it happened to me like that, if I could have been in Thomas' shoes... Uh, then I'd believe like that too. Thomas missed out the first time round. We don't know why. Maybe he was too busy. Uh, Maybe more likely, I think, uh, that he was too let down and too disappointed. He couldn't face being with the others uh, because he was so disappointed that Jesus had been crucified. And he just wanted to go into his man cave and sulk. Uh, some of us do do things like that, you know. And he kept away. Uh, but this time round, he was there. It's odd, isn't it, uh, that even, even we can be, be, be almost, almost jealous? Is that the right word? O- almost resentful? When we hear of other people having a really special experience of God... And we kind of say, well, well, well what's wrong with me? Uh, why don't I have fantastic experiences uh, like that? Uh, are they first-class ex- uh, first Christians? And, uh, and am, am I sort of kind of just a second-class sort of Christian? Am I getting something wrong? Jesus meets Thomas exactly at his place of doubt. it's always always better uh, to face one's doubts and questions uh, than to hide them away. And to be fair to Thomas, he's honest and realistic about where he's coming from and what he's going on inside him. I've already said that uh, Cafe Church uh, tonight is on the theme of resurrection and to be serious for a moment, if there's stuff about the resurrection uh, that you need still to, to get sorted about. Then maybe Cafe Church is for you tonight. And I'd want to say that, that, that don't go just on saying I'll deal with those questions someday. Deal with them today. Uh, because there's nothing more important than to get this sorted yourself and for your faith and for your life. So take the offer of Cafe Church tonight really seriously and make it a place to go and get some of these things sorted for, or at least to be honest and ask God to honour your honesty. Everyone has times when their faith is easy, but if we're honest, most of us go through times of questioning and doubting. The experience is not wrong. Jesus doesn't tell Thomas off for his questions. What's important is what we do with the questions, who we give them to. But in that place, he does say, I know your questions, but Thomas now stop." doubting and believe. And again we might think, well, okay, I wish I'd been in that place of Thomas myself. Yeah, yeah it had been wonderful. Of course it would have been wonderful. But Jesus says something else at that moment which brings us in and brings us and makes us feel Included. Because after, immediately after Thomas' response, my Lord and my God, Jesus says, verse 29 Because you have seen me, Thomas, you have believed. But then this Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe and do you see how that's you and me it's not that Thomas is first class and we're second class it's almost the other way round he says Thomas I'm so glad now that you believe Thomas is not told off he's affirmed and welcomed but actually he says to Thomas I'm so glad you have got there but actually the blessed ones are those who believe without needing your experience. They're the ones that I want to bless today. And that's you. And that's me. Why is that? Well, perhaps Thomas needed that experience. He was called to be an apostle And the definition of an apostle was that they had witnessed with their eyes. There was something special about seeing. And Thomas needed to, in order to do that eyewitness job, to be an eyewitness. But that was because he had that special job to do. But the way of God with all of us is that God doesn't want to overwhelm us with evidence so that we have no choice but to believe. God sets us free and gives us the choice. If the evidence was so compelling, so overwhelming, there'd be no, no kind of... It would just be take it or leave it. But actually, God doesn't want take it or leave it faith. He wants chosen faith. Believing faith. Where we put our trust in the living Christ. Thomas, a well-being apostle, Uh, was called to uh, take the faith, probably as far as India. And his influence from this little moment was immense. I'm sure tonight you'll hear a a lot more about it at uh, Cafe Church. And there's lots of compelling evidence why Jesus' resurrection is a credible thing to believe. It makes sense. Not in a compulsive way that a mathematical proof is, but a coherent way that makes sense of the gospel narratives, it makes sense of Jesus, it makes sense of our own experience, it makes sense of Christian history. It's a coherence that brings everything together, which is so compelling. And for me, one of the most amazing parts of that coherence of why I believe the resurrection is true is because of the impact of changed lives. We've already seen that this is a huddled little group, huddled together of ordinary people, frightened for their lives. And yet out of rooms like this, this little huddled, scared people, through the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, came a living faith which changed the world. And commentator and commentator and commentator said, whatever you make of... Of, of, of the narrative. You can't get away from the fact that something happened to change these people in such a profound way that their influence and impact still changes the world today. I don't know if you picked up uh, that little uh, Easter uh, booklet. There's still some free coffees uh, in the uh, reception area. But, but, but even someone like Matthew Paris quoted in this book, so I, I, I assume with his approval, uh, Matthew Paris uh, writes this. Now a confirmed atheist, Matthew Paris, now a confirmed atheist, I've become convinced of the enormous contribution that Christian evangelism makes in Africa. Sharply distinct from the work of secular NGOs, government projects, and international aid efforts. These alone will not do. Education and training alone will not do. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. And that from the lips of a confirmed atheist... The risen Jesus changes lives. Can a government give hope to a dying? Can a bomb make enemies love each other? No, but the transforming power of Christ. The words and works of you and me, ordinary people like you and me, that can change the world. And the affirmation that changes the world is Thomas' affirmation. My Lord and my God. The one who I worship, my God, and the one who I serve, my Lord. It's that affirmation, which is the heart of Christianity, it's that affirmation that changes the world, my Lord and my God. The one that I worship, and the one that I serve. And you see, it is the same Jesus. So often we think that the resurrection happened to a Jesus over there. But actually it's one Jesus, it's the same Jesus. It's the same Jesus who was born. It was the same Jesus who walked this earth. It was the same Jesus who ate and drank and shared life with his disciples. It was the same Jesus who was crucified. It's the same Jesus who rose again from the dead. And it's the same Jesus, the same Jesus that is with us day by day by his spirit. It's the same Jesus My Lord and my God, understanding, worship, surrender, service. Is that where you got to this Easter? Is that how you ended up on your Easter journey? I'm aware that um, I love humour. I love it, as you know, when we laugh together as, as a church and there's been less humour maybe in this service uh, than, than, than often is the case uh, for which I'm guilty sometimes. Uh, But to be honest, um, it's been a little bit of a a, a tough week. Uh, Just a couple of days uh, before uh, Easter, uh, one of my uh, longest, one of our oldest uh, friends died. And just on Thursday, uh, I buried him in the gentle Cumbrian soil. Uh, But the weekend before Easter, Passion Sunday, uh, we'd been with him in his hospital, uh, hospice room, really. And he was seriously poorly. And uh, I laid my hand on him, and I prayed that God's blessing would shine upon him. And he for whom my Lord and my God had been his stamp on his life. As I prayed God's blessing, he responded uh, with one of the loudest amens uh, that I've heard in a hospital ward. An amen that will, will, will ring through my ears down the years and down the ages. And a a couple of days later, he had died. But you see, my Lord and my God would have been familiar to him. And here was resurrection hope, resurrection joy, and Amen of living faith, even from the lips of a dying body. And that is my Lord, and that is my God. That's real resurrection faith. And so I just leave us at this particular moment to invite you, even if you didn't get here, get there at Easter time, just again to this morning to look for yourself as Thomas stood in front of Jesus, to look Jesus in the face and say to him directly this morning, my Lord and my God, the one whom I worship and the one whom I serve. Let's pray together. And so just in the silence, room indeed for you to make your own response this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you live. Conqueror of the death. Lord, live in us, we pray. Amen.